All right, let's turn to First Chronicles 21. First Chronicles 21. All right. First Chronicles 21. All right. Is, uh, is that anybody's favorite book? Anybody's favorite book, Chronicles? Anybody have a favorite chapter they like to quote? Or is that like, you know, I <laughs> just joke. Cause a lot of people say, yeah, I start off my Bible reading, but as soon as I hit Chronicles, just joke. Yeah, hey, there's good stuff in Chronicles. We'll read First Chronicles, and we'll start off. We'll look at the whole chapter, but we'll start off by reading verses 1 through 8 in chapter 21 of First Chronicles. Is your hearing aid in, sister? Huh? Can you fix that? Huh? Did I? Is there anybody else that can't hear me? Huh? Is there? Uh, you know, we don't charge any more for these uh, these these seats up here, and then you know, then I can look into your eyes and say, "You right there, Amen." All right, I'll try. Is that better, sister? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. The problem is when I speak loud enough for you to hear me, everybody else goes like this. Just joking. Just joking. First Chronicles twenty-one says this, <coughs> verses one through eight. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people an hundred times so many more as they be. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then doth my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore, Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. And all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred threescore and ten thousand men that drew sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly, because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, again, Lord, we thank you for being a good and merciful and gracious God. And Lord, that you're willing to pause, you're willing to stand still. And uh, Lord, wait on us. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for your long suffering with us. And Lord, we just bless your holy name for that. Lord, again, we pray for those that are here, those that are uh, listening. Dear God, Lord, uh, please work in hearts. Again, the men are uh, physical needs. Lord, there's so much uh, sickness at this time. Lord, please uh, touch people and Lord, give them what they need. Give doctors wisdom or uh, Lord, and just help them to recover uh, quickly. Or Lord, if it just glorify you to give healing, Lord, please do what only you can do in these uh, situations, Lord. We rest in your faithfulness. Lord, I pray for those that are traveling. I think of uh, Priscilla, <coughs> bless her time with her family, Sister Judy, uh, her time with her family, and then Sister Myers. Lord, we do pray for the salvation of her husband or <coughs> Lord, to get some clarity there. I pray, please uh, give her uh, boldness and grace and wisdom. And Lord, uh, the right words, Lord, I pray, help her. Lord, we pray for uh, David and Mary, keep them safe, Lord, the woods. 
that will be traveling others on the road. Lord, please uh, just uh, watch over them. And, uh, Lord, I pray uh, for those that need wisdom, Lord. We think about, uh, Lord, no doubt there's financial uh, needs, job uh, situations, and, Lord, uh, just a, a lot going on. But, Lord, I'm glad, uh, dear God, that you're a multitasker and you can handle it all at the same time because you're a big and mighty God. And, Lord, we rejoice in that truth. Now, again, Lord, teach us through your word that you'd get the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a thought I want to look at tonight that uh, it, it really uh, doesn't seem like it's taught anymore or you don't see it much anymore, but about taking personal responsibility, taking personal responsibility, just being a responsible person. People who embrace personal responsibility, right, or being responsible, right, they're known for uh, getting things done. And uh, right, they they pursue pursue goals. If they got uh, something to get done in life or at work or whatever, uh, they do their best. They want to be a good example. They're not people that give up easily, if ever. And uh, they uh, demonstrate that hey, uh, when something needs to be done uh, for the team or uh, uh, for the home, they're where they we're uh, willing to carry the ball for the team. And uh, they can handle the pressures of life. And uh, so those around them can trust them, right? We want to be somebody when we're a member of a team, whether it's the church or at work or home, right? We want people to know that they can trust us. We're going <laughs> to carry our weight uh, uh, on the team. Responsible people, of course, they're willing to, to take a ownership, if you will, of the roles and things they're responsible for, the tasks they're responsible for. And uh, responsible people normally have a, a high, a high standard. And uh, when they fail, when responsible people fail, right? We all fail uh, or make mistakes or make a bad decision, right? Responsible people, right? People that understand about taking personal responsibility, they readily admit it and apologize and try to learn from their mistakes. Listen, making mistakes and failures just part of life, no matter what you do. And then they say, hey, they learn from that and they move forward. They don't make excuses or blame others. And responsible people, right, uh, don't embrace the victim mentality. I say that all the time. One thing that bothers me is when somebody has a victim mentality. Listen, again, things happen in life. And again, uh, we understand that. But boy, once it's time, you know, I've been thinking about my, my, my father, you know, I've been trying to be there for him the last few weeks or month or so. But, you know, even he said when I was talking to him, my, my older brother is uh, uh, leaving tomorrow, going back to Germany. And then he told me that my sister, who was down there part of the time I was down there, uh, was thinking about coming back. And my dad said this. He said, well, actually, I'm going to tell her not to come down for a couple weeks because, right, I have to learn that, hey, this is something that's happened in my life and I got to get used to this and I got to make sure I can handle it and I got to get ready to move forward in life. You see, <laughs> uh, thinking about that, he, you know, already, you know, uh, of course, it, you know, we, we all hurt when we have uh, a, a loved one pass away, but he knows that he can't have a, a victim mentality and sit around and feel sorry for himself all the time, right? Of course, he misses his wife. But he realized that life has to move forward. And hey, who knows what lies ahead for him, even though he's, you know, 80, 84 years old. But it was nice to hear him say that. 
And of course, I still want to be there for him. I realize there's still difficult times ahead for him. But just the fact to hear my dad said that was an encouragement uh, to me and that uh, he was willing to, to take that. And so we need to learn that in life, to recognize uh, people like that. They recognize that how they are or where they are in life is their responsibility. Two people can face the same thing. Somebody moves on, and they, they continue to enjoy life and get things in their life, and the other person just gets stuck in a rut in life, right? They don't try to or whatever happens in their life, right? They don't try to blame others. Well, they don't, their parents, oh, well, you know, when I was five years old, you know, mom wouldn't give me that extra cookie and it's just affected me my whole life. But that's, that's about how bad it is in society today. They don't blame their spouse, right? Don't do the old Adam trick, right? The wife which thou gavest me, their children, society, the government, their boss or coworker, but of course, you know, responsible people. But of course, you see a lot of people in society today try to find a scapegoat. Responsible people and people that take personal responsibility, they face whatever life throws at them and they give it their best to move on, knowing that they will only get an opportunity, right, to set an example if they take personal responsibility in life as it unfolds. And that's how we have to take life as it unfolds. And we see David, uh, he was an example of that. David was a such, such a man, right? He was a responsible man, and he's a man that uh, took personal responsibility. And no doubt, we see several, several failures that he had in life, and right here in this chapter, we see one of them. That is why, you know, and because he was like that, because he was a responsible man, and he was a man that took personal responsibility even when he failed, that's why he, his people had great admiration from him. I mean, you see few leaders whose people love them to the degree that uh, uh, the people of Israel loved King David. Listen to what they say about uh, David. Now, this is, of course, when he's, when he's older, to what they say about him. In 2 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4, right, they were getting ready to go to battle, and David is getting a little bit older, and David's a little feeble, and it says this in 2 Samuel 18 about David. And David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab, and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, listen to this, I will surely go forth with you myself also. He said, listen, we're getting ready to go into battle. He broke the, 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 the military down into three groups. And then uh, he says, I'm going to go with you. It says, but the people answered, thou shalt not go forth. For if we flee away, they will not care for us. Neither if half of us die, will they care for us. Now think about that statement. But now thou art worth 10,000 of us. Therefore now it is better that thou secure us out of the city. And the king said to them, what seemeth you best will I do. And the king stood by the gate side and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. They said, oh, listen, we'd rather listen up to half of us die than something happen to you, king. Boy, they had such love and admiration for him because he was such a good leader, right? And a responsible person. He cared about his people. And uh, what, what, a, what a great example that is. 
But again, even though he made some major mistakes, right? And we know that he did. And again, we see one here. He owned them. In the end, he owned them. We know what that means. And he did what he could to make it right. And again, we find such an example in this chapter. Notice again, verse 1, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number uh, Israel. Now look at this. Again, we just talked about what a great leader David was. We know what a, you know, the man that uh, as, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, he had a heart for God and again made mistakes. So if Satan was willing to stand up and provoke Israel, and this word provoke means this, the word here, provoke Israel, it means to entice, to mislead to lead astray, listen to this now, to stir up with the intention to get them to deviate or to act destructive. And that's exactly what he did here with David. So if Satan, if he would and could do this to Israel, especially to one such as David, to gain such a hold like he did here, do not think the same cannot happen to you or I. Boy, when I, I think of the people since I've been saved, people that I, I look to, people that I, I, I thought were strong believers, or, or at least strong believers at one time, and then I've seen them fall to the wayside of what's happened in their life, it scares me to death. It makes me tremble that if it could happen to them, you know, woe be unto me. And so when we, when we see this, you know, I was talking to Brother Wood the other day about somebody we heard something about, and I said, you know, when I hear that, we don't need to talk about those people. We don't need to run people down. When we hear something about somebody, the only thing we need to think is, now we know how to pray for that person. Now we know how to pray for that person. That's what we need to do, lest it be us. So we see he got uh, 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 David to go out and challenge a number of the people. And another interesting thing here is that Job answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many, verse 3. More as they be, but my Lord the king are not all my Lord's servants. Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Now you know it's a bad thing when Joab is acting more spiritual than David, right? <laughs> Joab is one of them guys you had to watch, man. Uh, you know, I wouldn't trust him even if I just saw him using a butter knife, amen? Boy, I'd cover my fifth rib, man. You got to watch yourself right here. Cover that, cover that fifth. Cover that one, two, three, four, five. Huh. Uh, hey, how you doing today, Joab? Just thought I'd say hi, right? He's always looking to get you, man. But here he's being more spiritual uh, than David is. That shows you how backslid David, <coughs> David got here. But it was clear it was an act of pride. And of course, Satan, right? That was his big sin. But notice how, uh, uh, so he goes through here, he numbers, and Joab uh, comes back. And notice what he even says at verse 6 about uh, how Joab felt about this. But Levi and Benjamin, sorry, Benjamin, you got left out in this. Uh, that doesn't mean you're of no count, though. Don't take it personal. He not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. But look at verse 7. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And then notice David's response. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant. Look at this. For I have done very foolishly. Now when you're boasting, it's not good to use the word I. But when you've messed up, that's the time to use the word I and take personal responsibility 
for your action, for your mistake, for what you've done wrong. But when God made it clear he was displeased, David took personal responsibility for what he would done, for what he had done. You see in this chapter, he was willing to admit it. It's the best thing to do. He was willing to confess it. That's the right thing to do. And he was willing to pay the necessary price to get it right. And someone that realizes they've done wrong and they really want to get it right, that's exactly, they don't sit there and try to make excuses. Like we learned in the military, hey, uh, my, one of my sergeants called me in. If I messed up, I didn't say, well, you know, sergeant or other guy. I just I looked at him and said, no excuse, sergeant. He'd say, drive on, soldier. Amen. That's the way to handle it. And that's the way we need to do for the Lord. We know, admit it, Lord, I did wrong. Confess it, Lord. Amen. Uh, I don't blame anybody else and pay the necessary price. And if you're part of a team, hey, whatever, tell me what I need to do. Hey, have, have I ever messed up? And you know what I did? I went to the team and said, listen, tell me what I have to do to make this, get this thing right in this situation. That's the best they do. And that's what David did. He did not try to blame Job. Oh, Lord, the general which thou gavest me. No, he took full responsibility. And, and of course, we know what happened. The Lord came and said, well, Dave, I'm going to give you three options. Right. And so the Lord gives him three options. Right. Either was it a three year famine or three months of uh, falling before his enemy or three days of plague, I believe it was. And look what David did in verse 13. And David said unto Gad, that was his seer, I am in a great strait, a tight spot. I'm in a tight spot. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord. For very great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. You see the wisdom of David there. You see how much, even though he had really messed up, he still trusted the faithfulness of God. He still trusted the graces and mercies of God. David had enough wisdom to cast himself upon the mercy of the Lord. And that's a wise thing to do. When you really blow it, don't make excuses. Just fall in humility before the Lord. Amen. And trust his decision and for him to give you the wisdom to get it right. So we see what happens here. Going on to verse 14 through 16 says, So Joab and the people were with him. Drew, oops, sorry, wrong chapter. Go to the verse 14. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel. So the Lord chose the plague, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented of the evil, and said the angel that destroyed it, It is enough, stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel who were clothed in sackcloth fell upon their faces. Of course, the, the sackcloth shows uh, humility and humbling themselves before the Lord. And notice again what David says. David repeats it before the Lord. And David again, he said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Listen, uh, uh, listen uh, unfortunately, we may make the mistake, but if we're in a leadership position, 
the, the people are always going to be affected. What have they done? Let not thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord, my God, be upon uh, uh, me and on my father's. Let, I pray thee, O Lord, my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. Verse 20, And Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. Verse 21, And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David, went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. And notice what David says. Again, taking full responsibility. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me this place of the threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it in me, look at this, for the full price that the plague may be stayed from the people. He said, listen, whatever price I got to pay to get this thing right before the Lord and to get this thing right before my people and to restore my relationship and to restore Israel. It's my responsibility and whatever I got to pray, whatever I got to deal with, I want it to be publicly known that I am willing to do that. Again, is it not I? What have they done? That is personal responsibility. Verse 22, for the full price. It's my mistake. It's my responsibility. Verse 23, And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings and threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the meat offering. I will give it all. So look at what but the Ornan says, No, king, no, hey, listen, uh, uh, that's okay. You can have it. You can have it. Boy, a lot of people would have said, well, hey, thanks, man, got out of that one. But no, David really wanted to get this thing right. David really wanted to show personal responsibility for the mistake that he had made. So he repeats it in. Get in verse 30 and verse 24. Look what he says. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. And I will not take that which is thine for the Lord nor offer burnt offerings without cost. Listen, there's a responsibility here. It's my responsibility. There's a price to be paid for what happened, and I'm willing to pay that price. I like the way it says it when you read this story in 2 Samuel, verse 24, 24 in 2 Samuel, where it gives the story, it says this, And the king said, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Notice this statement David makes. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, my God, of that which doth cost me nothing. He said, listen, if, if I don't pay the price for it, if, I don't, if I'm not the one that takes responsibility, if I'm not the one that's willing to pay the price in, in, in building this altar and getting things right with God, well, listen, I, I, I won't do it. I realize it's my responsibility and responsibility alone, and I am willing to pay the cost. I will not give unto the Lord that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor. It says there, he says, I will pay to get it right before my God and before the people, whatever it takes, no excuses, again, showing clear 
willingness to take personal responsibility for what he did wrong and whatever it took to get that thing right. That is the right way to handle things when we do something wrong, especially in, and publicly, right? The Bible says, hey, if something happens in private, you can handle it private. But if it happens in public, it needs to be dealt with publicly. And right here is a good example of that. Going on and reading verses 25 through 28. So David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. David built there an altar on the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. And he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offerings. Because David was willing to take full responsibility for his actions, because David was willing to take full responsibility in getting that thing right and pay the price, the Lord showed mercy and answered him by fire upon the altar. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put up his sword again to the sheaf thereof. And at that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of the burnt offerings were at that season in the high places at Gibeon. So we see here at the threshing floor of Ornon. And what's interesting about this spot, it was on Mount Moriah. And of course, Mount Moriah is where Abraham offered Isaac. And actually, uh, here's David putting an altar there and getting things right with God there. And it wasn't too much further down the road that what else was built there? Who, what else was built on that spot? What did Solomon build on there? That's where Solomon built the temple. Second Chronicles 3.1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem and Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David and his father in the place that David prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. It was this very spot, again, where Abraham offered Isaac and where Solomon ended up building the temple. And it also believed it's at this very spot when, when David got this thing right, that this is where he wrote Psalm 30, right, in this place at this time. And in Psalm 30, you read such verses as this. Think about the heartache that David dealt with because he had sinned against the Lord. The heartache that he dealt with because of all those people that died because of his sin. And then the, 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 the heartache and, and price he paid to get this thing right. But yet, God showed mercy and God showed grace. And when we, when, we, when, we, when we sin or we mess up and we take that personal responsibility and we confess it and we get it right and we're willing to pay the price to get it right, you can always be assured that God will show mercy. Notice here's two verses from Psalm 30. David said this and is talking about this incident. For his anger endureth but a moment in his favor's life. Weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning. Verse 11, Thou hast turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth. Remember, they went before this, him and the leaders wearing sackcloth. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. That's God's response. Amen. You see, when we respond right, <laughs> when we make mistakes, when we take personal responsibility, when we respond in the right way, then you can be sure that God and his grace will respond back in the right way and he'll put off the side and gird me with gladness. So David set a good example of taking personal responsibility to correct a difficult situation. And just quickly as we finish up, I want to just read about somebody who didn't uh, take personal responsibility for an action they should have. Uh, re turn over to Matthew 27 and quickly read about 
Pilate. Matthew 27, I'll read verses 11 through 14, say this. Matthew 27, 11 through 14, when Jesus went before Pilate, and Jesus stood before the governor, Matthew 27, 11, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Verse 13, Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. And you remember in one place what Pilate said to Jesus, said, don't you know that I have the power, right? To release you. And Jesus said, hey, you only have the power that my, that my father gave you. But here's the thing. He went before Pilate. Of course, Pilate had the position. And Pilate was bound by his position to protect the innocent. He even admitted he was innocent. Pilate was bound by his position to protect the innocent, but he gave in to the will of the people. Pilate wanted to be protected from being part of this crime of crucifying Christ. Notice, of course, we know what he did. Read verses 24 and 25, which say, When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our people. You watch that. Has anybody seen, I can't remember the name, remember the movie they made in the 70s? Uh, the, the, the independent, a lot of the independent Baptist preachers at that time were in it. What is the name of that? And they show hell? Do you remember, who remembers that? Has anybody seen that movie? I can't remember the name of it. A lot of the, uh, the old preachers were in there from 1970s. Nobody remembers seeing that? The, the, oh, what was the name of that movie? But they show scenes from hell, and one of the scenes they show from hell is Pilate. They show Pilate, like, and he's walking around, and they show him still going like this. When they show Pilate in hell, he's still going around there like he's washing, like he's washing his hands, trying to uh, right, relieve himself of the responsibility, amen, that he had at that scene. It's kind of interesting if you can ever see that. Of course, now the film, he looks kind of cheesy, but it is, it is an interesting, the, was it called the burning hell or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of the uh, old, old, old preachers, right, uh, from, that were popular at that time are in that movie. But Pilate wanted to be protected from being part of this crime of crucifying Christ. So he, he so practiced a custom of the day, which was a ceremonial washing of one's hands to announce his innocence in the matter, like he had no responsibility. However, that did not change the facts. Pilate could have freed Christ. But he failed to take personal responsibility and tried to put the blame on the people, thus failing as a leader and failing personally on top of that, right? He said, of course, we know he set a guilty man free. So not taking personal responsibility often does not only affect you, but those around you. So as we look at the uh, good example of David and the bad example of Pilate, and of course, there's others in the Bible, help us to know as Christians, listen, if we, if we fail, right, and we're confronted about it, don't try to make excuses, but just like David, amen, cast yourself upon the mercy of the Lord, admit it, confess it, and whatever you have to do to make it right before God, whatever you have to do to make it right, amen, uh, uh, before the people. Hey, listen, what happened? Zacchaeus, 
I mean, right, as soon as he came down and got right, what did he do? He says, hey, man, I'm going to restore. I believe when somebody uh, truly is right with God, whether when they get, first get saved or if they did something against somebody and then they, they get that thing right, they'll have a desire, amen, to do the right thing. You know, I've been saved almost 36 years. But, you know, still goes through my mind. I still wish I could run into people sometimes, people that I knew in high school or people that I knew before I got saved uh, that, I, that I led astray or that I did things I shouldn't have uh, done with. You know, that I, in my mind, even when I, when I go to my hometown, I always look around, I stop by, and I always uh, think, man, if I could just run in uh, to so-and-so and apologize to them for the negative influence I was in their life at that time. That still goes, and I'm sure they probably don't even, they probably don't even think about it. But yet, when Christ saved me, he put it in my heart that, man, anybody I meet that I had a negative influence in, if I can, could apologize, that desire is still in my heart that if I ever ran into him in my hometown, I would want to walk up and say, I'm sorry for the type of person I was when I was part of your life in high school, but I've gotten saved since then, amen? And I want to share that with you. But I, and I have got to witness to some people uh, that I knew uh, when I was in high school. So thank God for this example. And even in uh, this day and age, despite what uh, this generation and the way they are, amen, it's still right to take personal responsibility and be a responsible person. Uh, it's the right thing to do. Let's pray.